Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, can I help you find something? Librarians specialize in helping you find what you were looking for, and sometimes what you didn't know you were looking for. Thank you for joining me as I talk to my guests about all things library, including the books inside them. I'm Julie Chavez, and this is Ask a Librarian. Josh Funk is a software engineer who also happens to be the author of books like the Lady Pancake and Sir French Toast series, the It's Not a Fairy Tale series, the How to Code with Pearl and Pascal series, the A Story of Patience and Fortitude series, Dear Dragon, Pyrrhosaurus, Albie Newton, and more. Here is my delightful conversation with Josh. Hi, Josh. Thanks so much for being with me today. Hi, Julie. How are you? I am well. And how are you on this fine day? I'm doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> summer when we're recording this, so it's uh, pretty pretty nice. Yes, I do enjoy summer, although, as I was telling you right before we started, it's a, it's a really chaotic time. I forget how yeah. fast it goes. Yeah, it is a lot of driving around with the kids and taking places. And my daughter has a job at a bookstore, so I drive them to that a couple times a week and uh, The Silver Unicorn in Acton. That's amazing. No, I will put it on my list, though. Is it a wonderful bookstore? Yeah, it's super cool. Definitely check it out. I've always wanted to work in a bookstore. I mean, I'm in a library now, but I just, I love, I love bookstores. So shocking that I would love books. Wow. That's really outside the norm, isn't it? (laughs) Okay. So since you and I don't know each other, I thought we could start with a quick lightning round so that we can learn a little bit about you. These are unimportant questions. And this is also shamelessly copied from my friend, Alicia Fernandez Miranda. She has a podcast called Quit Your Day Job. And she did a lightning round. So I was like, well, I think I'll do that. But I just want to make sure I give proper credit. I'm not plagiarizing. Well, I am, but I'm giving credit. So uh, yes, thank you. Thank you. Question number one, do you prefer pancakes or French toast? Waffles. Really? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, we can loop back. I like those waffles. Am I I allowed to elaborate? Yes, please elaborate. Yes. No, no, no. Yes, sorry. I like the waffles where you go, you know, when you go to a hotel and you pour the batter in to the waffle maker and like flip it over and then after 90 seconds it beeps and that's my favorite kind of waffle. Those are, those are Belgian waffles, right? I think usually they are, but I consider them like the Hampton Inn waffles. (laughs) I love a good Hampton Inn buffet. That is some good stuff. Okay, Hampton Inn waffles, done. Second question, beach or mountains? Beach. Beach. I don't have good knees, so I'm not climbing any mountains anytime <laughs> soon. But yeah, no, I, I'll just sit on the beach. I don't have, do I have to go in the water? No. I'd still choose the beach. It doesn't matter. Okay, yeah. no, you do not have to go in the water because it might I mean, be I don't cold. mind the water. I just, yeah, I'm, I, I'm at that point where I'm realizing why every time I wanted my dad to come swimming in with me when I was a kid and he'd be like, not right now, let me hang out and eat and whatever. I'm, and, but now I get it. Now I understand. Oh, 
It's so true. Aren't there so many things that you're like, oh, now I see. Yes. (laughs) Perspective. Okay. Third question. What's your favorite time of day? Favorite time of day? It depends. It depends on on the day of the week, but it's probably close to bedtime, you know, because that's when I'll read or watch a TV show. But sometimes when I wake up in the morning and have energy, I like to ride an exercise bike. And that's that. So that would be my favorite time if I have the energy in the morning. So those are my two favorites. Okay. Those are good times. And what are you watching on TV? Anything good right now? Any good shows? Yeah. What we do in the shadows is just come back as of when recording this and um, only murders in the building. Those are, those are some good comedies that I'm enjoying. I'm so excited to watch season two of Only Murders. I haven't started it yet. Yeah, I I didn't want to start it, but my my wife's father, hopefully he won't listen to this, um, is definitely risky about giving things away. So we're like, we have to, because they, yeah, would get spoiled. You know, it's important to know who those people are in your life and sort of have them marked as bogeys, because otherwise they're really going to, I mean, you don't want that problem in your relationships. No. And uh, yeah, it's, he's not a bogey in that sense. He just, he, he doesn't tell you specific things, but he'll tell you enough that it'll, it like his facial expression about something. Oh, like yes. he's not, he's not going to like blurt something out and spoil it, but he, he, and, and I wouldn't get it either, but it's like he and my, my wife know enough that, uh, about each other that that will happen. So, so uh, yeah. A hundred percent. It's like when you're right. Certain people will say, well, you just have to read it or you just have to whatever. And you can tell by their tone. You're like, well, now I actually don't because you just told me everything. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Well, now I understand. Well, good. At least you're moving on and I mean, taking care of your needs. Way to go. I mean, I won't tell you anything that's happening now. (laughs) Well, perfect. I'm going to rewatch season one with my boys because they're teenagers. And after we watched it, I was like, they totally need to watch this. Steve Martin. Yeah. yeah. My, my kids. My kids watched it. My daughter watched it. She's, they're 17 and my son is watching it now, but, and he's 30, but he, uh, he seems to be enjoying it. And I think that it's just funny. That's, that's it's hilarious. And I love Steve Martin and Martin Short in it. It just, it feels like my childhood too, watching SNL with Steve Martin during that time. So love it. Okay. Excellent. And last question, dessert or a cheese plate after dinner? Dessert. I'm vegan, so there aren't that many great vegan cheeses. Actually, I take that back. There are a lot of good okay. vegan cheeses that you're going to be eating, like a cheese plate. But it really depends on where you get them from and it what you're doing with the cheese. Because if you're trying to melt the cheese on a pizza or something Mexican, like it's really hard to do those well. But if it's just a cheese plate, it's fine. But I'd still go with dessert. Sugar's vegan, so okay. Well. I love it. Those were excellent answers to all of those. So thank you. Thank you for being, and you are my first lightning round. I uh, want to say, I was say do most people fail? So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're making me realize I want to set it up for pass fail. Okay. <laughs> right? Cool. Yeah. Like when you ask someone's opinion and they say it, and then you just say, no. No, That's, you're wrong. You're wrong. Your opinion is yeah. 100% incorrect. When I'm reading the Lady Pancake and Sir French Toast books, I'll, I'll get to the Brussels sprout page and I'll say, who likes Brussels sprouts? And shake my head from side to side. And <laughs> um, a few kids might raise their hands and I'll say, no, 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 you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do like Brussels sprouts now. I just didn't as a kid. 
Well, of course. Who did, though? And I did learn that since you have way more taste buds when you're a kid, that makes sense. And that bitterness, I remember that, too. Or, like, the char on a burger. I hated that. And now, tastes delicious. Yeah. I think it was the smell of Brussels sprouts. Like my whole house would smell when anyone made it. Oh, yeah. It was a, it was a no-go. But I'm down with them now. Okay. Yeah. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Exciting <grown> times. <laughs> I've matured. I'm 43. Yeah. I like Brussels sprouts. I feel the same way about salads because when I was in my 20s, I was like, no, I'm not getting a salad. What a waste of a meal. And now I'm like, ooh, they have delicious salad here. So Yeah. I mean, if it has asparagus and quinoa or something on it, then that's, that's decent. I don't... <laughs> I get salads when I go to a sports bar to watch a game because that's the only thing they have that's vegan. We we need it. There are no, there are no sports bars. This has come up a lot in my family. There are no sports bars that have that that are vegan, like vegan restaurants, sports bars. There are vegan restaurants that have sports bar style food, but they don't have the sports bars and the like (laughs) on and they're good food. And that's great. But, but at least in the Boston area, there are no vegan restaurants that also have the sports bar part of the bar. I mean, I'm not saying you need to jump careers, but that sounds like a very obvious area that you're going to need to invest in. Yeah, I've thought about it, but also restaurants are, well, they're probably not harder to succeed in than children's picture books. Um, <laughs> probably not. They are, <laughs> but but yes. they're still pretty, pretty uh, high risk and I'm not a very good cook. So I'll leave that to others. <laughs> there we I'll go. just write Maybe it you can gather the investors or you can be part of the marketing copy or something. I mean, I'm sure there's a, there's a place for you, but yeah, you, I mean, I'll definitely you want... eat there. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> Number one patron, Josh Funk. Maybe they can have a picture of you out front. Yeah, okay. I can well, swap a, you can swap a book for a meal. Done. <laughs> well, let's start talking about the many books that you have coming out because you are like a machine, my friend. You are just churning books out, right and left. Well, I have three this fall, yes. which is a lot. But I haven't had any since the since 2020. Okay, so, the, so. it's been. But yes, I've been very very fortunate since the fall of 2015 to the fall of 2022. I will have had 18 picture books released, which is pretty crazy. I yeah, if you if you t- asked me 12 years ago. If you told me 12 years ago that I yeah. that I'd have any books published, I would have said you're nuts because I I hadn't even thought about writing before. It was it was something I didn't start until the summer of 2011. What were you doing before then? Uh, well, I still am a software engineer. That's my day job. I write code during the day, and I I oh what was it? Well, I guess I was really into no. fantasy, and <laughs> I uh, I stopped playing fantasy football and I started writing picture books. That that's uh, I'm I'm joking, but it's also true. <laughs> I stopped playing fantasy football and I started writing picture books and I obviously took it very seriously. Well, uh, yes, but yeah. What was the impetus for that? Like what did your fantasy football team really just fail? So you got injured and (laughs) you're like, that's it. I'm out. (laughs) I know I was the commissioner of the leagues. I enjoyed (laughs) fantasy football. It's probably a good thing that I got out before all the daily betting stuff started because if I was into that, I probably would have lost a lot of money, but not because I did it, just because I would have been obsessed with it. Uh, but yeah. I know I was reading a lot of great books to my kids. Mm-hmm. My kids were three and six years old at the time. I was reading a lot of books to them and I stayed up late one Friday night and started writing. And that's, that's how I got started. And I wrote a really, really terrible picture book manuscript. And I took it, uh, my wife saw a class taught by a published author at our local community center, the, the adult education center. And so I, I took the class and 
I learned about different conferences and I learned a lot about the craft of writing and the business of writing. And I took that, that class seven times, fall, winter, spring, fall, winter, spring, fall. And then I sold a book and then, yeah. So, I mean, it was a class with author Jane Sutton and she, I think no longer teaches the class, but she was my first mentor and it was, it was pretty great, but that's, yeah, that's how I got started. That is a fantastic story. And also what a good word to two things. Number one, the way that our time can sort of block itself, I guess, in some ways, like fantasy football, no shade for that, like super fun, great things that you could be doing, but time and investment that then you were able to redirect. But like you said, you worked to learn the craft of writing. I think that's something I never appreciated before I even got into this world was just how much there is to learn. I mean, it's endless. I used to just think people were, I guess I just thought, oh, you're either a writer or you're not. Well, there's, there's so much that goes into knowing not, yeah, the craft is incredibly important. People say, you know, you have to be two of these three things, right? You have to either be lucky, talented, or work really hard, hard worker. And if, if you're, I'm not the one who came up with this. I don't know who to credit for it. That's okay. Probably, you know, thousand year old thing, but it's just Socrates. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, if you're very lucky and you work really hard, even if you don't have talent, you might get published. If you're really talented and you work really hard, eventually you'll probably get published. And if, if you're talented and lucky and don't work all that hard, you still might get published. If you have all three, then great. But, but yeah. So I think, you know, I, I worked hard. Yeah. I am privileged in the sense that I had the time and the financial capability to go to conferences on weekends. Absolutely. I have a 40 hour a week job. Right. Um, right. I'm married to a teacher that, and, and she works a hundred hours a week during the school year and yes. 60 hours a week during the summer. And so it's, you know, educators work a lot. So I I had free time while my wife was working, but I, yeah, I I was able to attend conferences and learn about the craft of writing and, and also what was expected in the industry. When I say the business of writing, I don't mean like what, you know, contracts talk or anything. I just mean like what's hot now, what what are people interested in? How many words should a picture book be nowadays? It's not the same as it was when we were growing up. It's Mm -hmm. different now. And that's, that's really like the, the business side of writing that is important to understand that you, you might write the best story about dystopian, you know, for young adults, but you know, we aren't really, you know, after 2013, those weren't really selling anymore. So it didn't matter if you wrote the best story, nobody was going to want to publish that. Maybe that's come back around. I mean, after 2007, you know, after twilight, we were we're done with vampires. So it's just things come and go. And so, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you, you have to understand how the industry works and what are the industry expectations if you want to be a writer. Yes, you're so right. And especially I feel like there's even more pressure with picture books because the volume, well, I mean, adult fiction as well, but like the volume of everything is quick. And I feel like the turnover of topics and where the industry's lens is focused is fast. It can be. It. I think that there are so many great picture books that have been published in the last 10 or 15 years. And there are 
there are too many for for you as an elementary librarian to to read. Hundred percent. And so there are great books that get missed, and it's it's not anyone's fault. It's hard that your publishers only have so many publicity and marketing dollars to spend, and it's it yeah it it's it's tricky to to be one of those books that gets noticed, and there's really no. There's not really that much you can do as an as an author to to force that to happen. Yeah. You can work with social media. You can you know, try to get onto podcasts and uh, <laughs> hope that, that helps. And yeah. I think it can, but I think it also it's yeah. There's there's a there's a lot of great books made, and it's hard for for any of them to get noticed. So so when they do, you know, I've had a lot of success with the Lady Pancake and Sir French Toast series, and a lot of that has to do with the publisher publicizing that first book at BEA, which no longer exists back in 2015 and, and doing a great job marketing it. Mm-hmm. And the cover, it's a great cover design it and it has cover. foil and it's embossed and you can, you can see the tension on the cover and it's got great illustrations. And I, I think that, you know, that, that has really helped. It looks good face out on a shelf and it looks good at another tiny little icon on a website. And so it's not a best selling book, by any means, but it's done pretty well. And there's a fifth one coming out this fall yes. uh, called the, the Great Caper Caper. I'm so excited to talk about that. And I agree that series is just so much fun. August 23rd is Pet Feet. My, fe- my Pet Feet, which I was thinking was about, I mean, the quest for a missing letter. What would you say since you're the yeah, author? <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah. It's so my Pet Feet is a book that is written with only 25 letters in the alphabet. A little girl wakes up and she, her pet parrot has turned into Pet Feet and she needs to figure out what happened. And she notices that the letter R is missing from everything in the world. So she has to chase her pet feet past a fog and toad down a tail in the woods, past the babbling book and into a gassy field, which I did not know that Billy Yong, the illustrator, was going to illustrate with a bunch of butts farting, but I totally approve. <laughs> Billy did his debut picture book. He did yes. great. He's like the ideal illustrator for this because I wrote this book and it was sort of, a lot of my books are in rhyme. Yes. This book is not. No. But my books, I, I always, I often try to think about how language can affect the books. And in this this book, I spent a lot of time searching for words where I did not make up any words for this book by taking out ours. Every book and every word in this book is a word, but a lot of words are missing ours and they have become other words like a flock of flying cows. And um, at one point, the they're in the center of town and there's a music store that that has band posters on the wall which one of them is age against the machine men at walk paul mccatney hey styles and they're all illustratable things which which are you know hilarious and so th- this is definitely a book that you'll probably want to read a couple of times to see all the things and, and, and catch what you missed. It's probably my cleverest book that I've written. It rivals maybe Dear Dragon, which is pretty clever about a boy and a dragon who are writing letters to each other and misunderstanding each other in letters. But I think that this this one beats it for its cleverness. I spent a lot of time on Scrabble websites looking for looking up words and just making lists of words that yeah. had 
R's in them. And then when you take out the R, it becomes something else. And, it, and not only that, though, it had to be the same part of speech. Like you couldn't replace a noun with a verb because then the sentence wouldn't make sense. So it really had to be this. And most of the time I'm replacing nouns with nouns because those are the illustratable things that you can see the joke. Yes, of course. But yes, you might be able to take a R out of a word, but then it becomes, it becomes another word, but it's, it's a verb or it's an adjective or something else. It won't make sense. sense. So, but yeah, so it's, I think this book is, is, is pretty fun and, and clever. So if you like clever alphabet, it's not an alphabet book, really. I mean, technically, it, it, it revolves around the alphabet, but it's it's more for, you know, the, I, I think you, being able to read definitely helps with this one. Yes. Because you'll notice what words are missing and why a, a flying cow should have been a flying crow and, you know, why there are cabs scuttling on, on the beach instead of crabs and things like that. However, there are still tons of gags for the little kids, too, which I've like, read this to a bunch of kindergartners and, yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. No, I was going to say, like, when she tries to go in the dew. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I <laughs> really like that big, one. The big poop emoji instead of the <laughs> exactly. I really like that. But I think and you're I, right. I would say, like, it, I mean, I was thinking about who I would read it to. I would probably start with, like, second grade. I feel like they will really get it and feel good about getting it. But it can definitely go a couple years either side of that, depending on your kids' sensibilities and reading and everything. But I think you're yeah, right. It's one you want to own. Yeah. I think it's also, <laughs> I had no idea how Billy would illustrate feet. When I wrote the words, it was just like, it's feet. Like yeah. I, I don't have to, as an author, I don't think about that. I, you know, it, I, I didn't know, was it going to be a human foot? Was it going to be a rabbit's foot? Was it going to have a face? Where would the face be? Would it be on a toe? Like I had no idea. Yeah. And he did an incredible job of illustrating the cutest pet feet you could imagine which like, I don't even know how he did it because uh, I'm not a feet person. I'm, no. I'm, I'm nothing against feet, but, uh, but yeah, I, I'm thrilled with what, well, the floor is against my feet. I have nothing. I'm, I have nothing. <laughs> I was thrilled with how cute these feet. I would agree with that because I will say when I picked up the book, I read, or when I looked at it online, cause you sent me the digital copy of it. I saw my pet feet and I was like, what is this? I don't know what this is about. And I think that's so cool. And then once I started reading and got the rhythm of it, I thought, oh, this is so clever. But yes, the feet are adorable. If you look at the cover too, the way the cover's designed, so you might think it's called My Pet Ferret, you but there might. are no R's. There are no R's on the cover. There are no R's. It's published by Simon & Schuster. They covered up the R on the oh spine. Gosh, I love um, Like they were totally on board with, I love with those details. all of it. Yeah, well, good thing whole, it's... Good thing your yeah. name's not Josh Runk. Well, I couldn't have written it. And no offense <laughs> to any illustrators that had an R in their name, but we wouldn't have we wouldn't have signed them up. We, no. we couldn't have. That no. was kind of the conceit of the book. And even on the cover, it just says our name, Josh Funk, Billy Young. It doesn't say written by or illustrated by or art by or Anything. nothing. Just names. Yeah. Because the only word that would have worked was images by, but that's kind of a strange thing to say if it's yeah. not like photographs. Yeah. So that is so cool. It is super clever, and I can't wait to get my hands on a copy and read it to the kids. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay. And not to rush you on, but I mean, we have to cram in so many books into so little time because you're so prolific this year. It's not The Three Little Pigs, which is out November 1st. This one also Hilarious. I laughed out loud at parts of this. The It's Not a Fairy Tale series has been really, really fun to write. And yeah. illustrated by Edwardian Taylor. And he is also an animator, but he is a he is not a set designer like Stevie Lewis. He is a character designer. So he animates TV shows, movies, video games, even. Yeah. And he but he designs characters, and you can see why he is the perfect choice for the It's Not a Fairy Tale series. Just by looking at the covers, you can see the facial expressions that these characters have. And he adds so much humor to these books with his illustrations, but they are really, really fun to write. The whole idea behind this series is that I've always thought that characters in fairy tales do things that are not very smart, uh, let's say. And yes. and so, for example, if, a, if you walked into your grandmother's bedroom, and in yes. your grandma's bed was a hairy, four-legged, talking wolf. Don't you think you would know the difference between your grandma <laughs> and a wolf? I mean, come on. And and let's say you lived in the woods your whole lives. Don't you think you would know that if you dropped breadcrumbs on the ground, animals would eat them? I don't even think you have to live in the woods to know that. I think no. most people know that. So I thought, what if the characters in a fairy tale were smart and did not want to do what the storyteller was telling them to do? And yeah, so yeah. that's what I what I did. I wrote the story, and the characters do not want to tell uh, to, to follow along in the what the storyteller is telling them. And so that was sort of the idea behind. It's not Jack and the Beanstalk, and it's not Hansel and Gretel. Sort of perfected that. It actually took a really long time to design these books because there are a lot of different fonts and and font colors. The narrator yes. has two different fonts because it has the on-script font, like once upon a time, and then the off-script font, which is the, no, Jack, you have to climb the beanstalk when they're talking to the, the characters. Yes, directly. yes. And so like e each of those, you never see the narrator in these books. They're never pictured. So you don't have any facial expressions, which Eddie Edwardian Taylor draws so well. Yes. Uh, but you don't have that for the narrator. So you have to get that all from the way the text is designed. And there are a bunch of characters in these books. So the speech bubbles have different colors. And yes. the, the giant, for example, and it's not Jack and the Beanstalk, that the giant is in all capital letters and italics, which makes you say it more slowly and more lumbering. And with it's not the three little pigs. In this one, I didn't want to just do the same thing over and over again, where 
is the characters don't want to do what the storyteller does. So in, in It's Not Little Red Riding Hood, which is the most recent one that came out also during the fall of the pandemic, yeah. that one was the idea was that Red was not so much questioning or arguing with the narrator, but just sort of questioning what the narrator was like, are you sure you want me to do that? And also the big bad wolf called in sick and was replaced by, I'm not going to spoil it in case the big bad wolf called in sick in that one. So for this one, I thought, well, what if there was a competing narrator? What if there was a fourth little pig and that fourth little pig wanted to be the narrator and what would happen? And so that's that's the idea behind it's not the three little pigs. It's the same narrator in all these books. And that's that's the only commonality between them. Right. But the in this one, the fourth little pig wants to tell the story and it gives a little pushback to the narrator. I think I mean, all of them are tremendous. This one was so funny. I love it's it's really cheeky and funny. And I really liked the, you know, well, if you're terrified, like, why would you answer in a rhyme kind of thing? (laughs) So that made me laugh. And then also I love when in those kind of books that the characters use correct terminology, like when he says, well, that doesn't look structurally sound at all. (laughs) That kind of stuff. I just love it. So it was funny and you're right. And just some of the things you've done in there, I, I never want to give too much away, but that's definitely another one that if I, I mean, my teenagers might be slightly a little old for that, but you know, you're never too old for a picture book. But the thing I like about that one is that it would be a great read aloud, but then also as they get older, same with My Pet Feet, they'll appreciate looking at it on their own because there's something about reading dialogue that gives it that graphic novel kind of feel where you're noticing and depending on how you read it. I just, I think they're so well done. I think it makes a great reader's theater. uh, Yes. Depending on the age. Um, And, you know, when I was writing it, I'm cracking myself up and make myself laugh too. And and I always read it with my kids at the time. The first book that I read out loud would be with uh, my daughter would be Jack and my son would be the giant and my wife would be Cinderella. And that, that's how I sort of wrote and revised them. And yeah. figured out how if they were working and what jokes were working and what wasn't. And so a reader's theater is sort of ideal for for this. And and they are they are tricky to read aloud as one person. And sure. I always tried to keep the voices to a minimum in the in the past so that, that it would be really like one or maybe two voices. And if I had to have a third, like in Hansel and Gretel, there's the witch, but the witch is only on three, four spreads. Okay. And then if there's, if, if there's other characters that need a voice, they'll have like one line, but with the three little pigs. And then of course, adding a fourth little pig and the big bad wolf, I just sort of threw caution to the wind with this one and said, forget it. We're just going to have a ton of voices. Sorry. I love <laughs> Sorry, it. librarians. I uh, love a there. challenge. <laughs> and I also will say, I think on this one, when it comes to the number of voices, you really went ham. <laughs> I'm making an annoying, cheering motion for myself. Yeah. Oh, I live for that kind of stuff. And also, yes, using slang with my children that they don't want me to use. It's so great. I just, I love a good dad joke. Okay. So we have now covered your many titles that would be coming out. I wanted to talk about one more thing. And that was when I reached out to you earlier this year to be on the podcast, you sent me back an email and said, I'd love to come. But you also said, before I agree to participate, I want to make sure that women and underrepresented voices are also taking part. And I wanted to say thank you for that because it was a thoughtful response. And 
Also, it stood out to me because it gave me a moment to ask that question and make sure that I was paying attention in that way because it's easy, you know, especially on this side of things where I'm like, okay, I'm just thinking of the books that are out. But to your point, there are so many good books that will never get the attention. So how do I do a better job of finding those? So I just wanted to thank you for that. And it really stood out to me. Well, thanks. Yeah, I don't need thanks, but but I, I appreciate your comment. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, doing diversity audits on your collections, your, yes. you know, the people you're interviewing is always a good thing. Yeah. And making sure that, that you know, all voices are, are represented. I couldn't agree more. And it was just, I appreciated the... I appreciated the reminder and you said it in a very, in a way that made sense to me too. And you're right. I mean, I do that naturally in other areas as a librarian, but was I doing it here as well? So I appreciate you. So we have now come to the ask a librarian portion of this show. Do you have a question for me? Well, yeah, I was going to ask if you have any favorite books with multiple voices to read aloud. Uh, That was, that was going to be my question. That's any, an, or that's, any, any tips for changing your voice, or if you wanted to even, you know, voice related, you know, did you want to give us any examples of some voices that you like to do? Sure. <laughs> so, well, I do. I love, I love voices. I really, I will say the one that has been my favorite to read, but it's also the most challenging to read is Be Quiet by Ryan T. Higgins. And that's about a character in the book who's a mouse. He wants to create a wordless book. And his two friends are really not aware of their impact on his wordlessness. And so yeah, that one's hilarious. I love that book. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, he is funny. So I really like, and I love Mother Bruce too, of course, and his other ones. But so I would say Be Quiet is one. And then, but I Can use you give them all. Us a, a taste of the main character and Be Quiet. What, sure. What like? Well, yeah. So he says, This book is supposed to be wordless. Stop talking. You're filling it with words. So that's him. And the other ones say, I don't know what he's talking about. And the other one's a little squeakier as well. So that's usually how I do be quiet. But All I don't right. know why well, he has that accent. Just, I feel like he's just like a grumpy like New, a New Yorker. New Yorker. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just, I'm trying to do this and you keep sabotaging me. And I, he has glasses. You're, you're, I can just see him. He's, yeah. a, he's a cranky old, he's like George Costanza's dad. One million percent. <laughs> yes. So that's that right. one. Like Library Lion, I always, Mr. McBee always kind of has a nasally voice. Miss Merriweather, Miss Merriweather, there's a lion in the library. But then when he tells the lion at the end, there's a new rule in the library. So he's, so I try to make him not too annoying, but just a little bit annoying and more annoying in the beginning. What are the other voices I really like? Yeah, a lot of mine are like East Coasters, some Southerners. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well done. Good choice. Well, well, thank you. That was a good question. I love reading aloud with kids. Oh, and I did read the Harry Potter series to my boys and it took forever, but I did the voices for that, including Dobby. So I did have a good Dobby voice, which was Harry Potter must not return to Hogwarts. There you yeah, go. My, our, our first cat, and it's, I don't know if you read the dedication at the very end of, of My Pet Feet, but it's dedicated to, to my my animal companions. And uh, she's no longer with us, but her name was Dobby, even though she was a girl, her Dobby. Oh, so. I love it. Dobby has to be one of my favorite characters. Well, I will I will think of her. That uh, Dobby makes a great girl name, too. I mean, it's not a, it's just a name, so... <laughs> 
<laughs> You're right. It's a perfect uh, not. I think we picked the name before we picked the cat. So <laughs> just yeah. Dobby. Well, and good thing that that didn't have an R. Good job on the yes. foresight. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Well, Josh, this has been a real joy talking to you. I'm a huge admirer of your work because I love books that are both clever and joyful. Like your books are smart and they just give kids a lot to enjoy about picture books. And I just think it's such a gift. So thank you for what you do. And thanks for being on today with me. It's been so much fun to talk to you. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And thanks for doing everything that you do for, for kids books and for librarianing and all that stuff. Well, thank you. I enjoyed I can't wait to go back to school and start busting the kids that are running in the hallway. Cause I can hear them from my desk. It's great. But enjoy your summer. Enjoy your summer. <laughs> I will. I will. And also what grade does your wife teach? Is she younger? Uh, high or? school social studies now. Wow. Okay. So- We'll, we'll pin that. We can, uh, we can talk about your, your friendship issues and her experience as a high school teacher, maybe in our next episode. Yeah. You need to have a spinoff podcast. About <laughs> the dark side of kid lit. <laughs> the dark side of kid lit. I think we could really get into some good stuff on that. Okay, great. Perfect. You came up with a sequel for lost in the library and my podcast spinoff way to go. Yeah, I'm just making more work for teachers. That's what I like to do. <laughs> I love it. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for being with me today. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Ask a Librarian. As always, it's my joy to share and learn with you. You can follow me on Instagram at Julie Writes Words, or you can go to my website, juliewritewords.com. There you'll find the show notes, including all the books mentioned in the episode. See you in the stacks next week. And until then, friends... Never go anywhere without a book. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.